This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Craig Kopp. And look, we've got redistricting maps. Every step we've taken has been a step guided by the decision of the court to present a map to you today that will withstand a court challenge. And it is my belief that this map will withstand a court challenge. We have drawn a map with pure intent that has followed the directives of the court. That's Senate Reapportionment Committee Chair Ray Rodriguez on the Senate map, which was approved by a 34 to 3 margin. Before that, the Senate had approved a congressional map by a 31 to 4 vote. There were objections, Democrats particularly, about the congressional map. They were concerned that the map didn't take into consideration the growing Hispanic population in the state. Janet Cruz. I'm not confident that we did everything we could to ensure Hispanic representation and access. I know that this map is headed to the House and that it could be back here in a few weeks for voting again. If that's the case, I'm hopeful that we'll be able to take a closer look at the number and carefully consider whether we can or should create another Hispanic access seat in Central Florida. Reapportionment Chair Ray Rodriguez admitted no map is perfect, but said this one is legal. But let me be clear. I am not saying today that this is the only map that can be drawn to be compliant. The courts themselves recognize that a skilled map drawer can always improve on a given map on tier two metrics if given enough time. But what I am saying is that the map before us today fulfills the charge that the president gave the committee to the, and delivered to the reapportionment committee to deliver a map designed to be compliant with our Florida Constitution, with all federal and state statutes. So now these maps are on the way to the House, which is still drawing up maps of its own. This redistricting process is far from over. Lucky for us, this was the day we caught up with Matt Isbell, a Florida data consultant who works primarily with Democrats on, you guessed it, redistricting. The first question from Sunrise was about that other map floating around, the one that came out of the office of Governor Ron DeSantis Sunday night. This map goes a lot further in boosting Republican election possibilities in Congress. So what I really think is going on is that as redistricting has kind of moved across the country, um, there's been a growing amount of Republican anger that a lot of different states haven't been trying to maximize the number of districts enough. Different party operatives and a lot of activists have been upset with other state maps in places like Missouri and Indiana. And as the Senate redistricting map kind of came into focus since the Senate's pretty far ahead of the House at this point. Um, there was a tremendous amount of anger from like, you know, the much more activist base. I don't think it's something that the general public pays a lot of attention to, but there was a lot of conservative activists very upset that the maps weren't trying to, you know, get rid of a couple additional Democratic districts and whatnot. And I think that the DeSantis map is really about the governor playing up to that activist base, looking like he's fighting for these issues, maybe making a veto threat towards, you know, what would be arguably fairer maps. Um, 
and I think a lot of it is public relations. I don't I don't think the governor especially cares about what the final lines look like, more so that he cares about looking like he fought for more Republican districts and supposedly getting rid of what he claims are Democratic gerrymandered seats. Um, I think I think a lot of it's public relations. The way you put it was the uh, kind of ultra conservative side of things are really upset that they're not you know, going the distance here. Why are they not? I think the biggest reason is that after the whole debacle of the 2012 redistricting that led to lawsuits, which led to a 2015 court-ordered redrawal and uh, two special sessions on redistricting that caused a tremendous amount of stress and acrimony in the Republican base, or not in the Republican base, but with Republican lawmakers, um, I think that a lot of the senators that are around right now, even if they weren't part of the Senate during that 2015 remap, that 2015 court case and remap and special session hangs pretty heavily on these lawmakers. And even if they think that a more conservative aligned Supreme Court would side with them on maps eventually, no one wants to deal with lawsuits and depositions and all of the time that goes into that. The Senate president, Wilson Simpson, is planning to run for is running for agriculture commissioner this year. By all accounts, he'll easily win that race, and he might have his eyes on future office as well. I mean, you're running for agriculture commissioner, why not run for governor down the line? And for him, he probably sees what happened to people like Don Gates, who came out of 2012 redistricting looking rosy, but then the lawsuits revealed that like there were all these nefarious efforts going on, and it really damaged his reputation. There was a whole feud between him and Jack Bala going on. And, you know, I think that people like Wilton Simpson and Ray Rodriguez sit there and say, why do we want to deal with any of this? Like, let's just pass maps. Let's let the staff draw them. We'll maybe make a couple edits here or there. We saw an amendment yesterday from Senator Jones and let's just be done. I think the Senate is just a huge desire for no drama and no specifically no lawsuits. You might see a scenario where the Senate and House can't come to an agreement because the House is more on DeSantis' side, or they come to an agreement, but DeSantis threatens to veto the map, and in which case we could all end up before the Florida Supreme Court, where the Florida Supreme Court has to pick a map um, if, if nothing can be agreed to between the governor and the legislature. I'm not entirely sure how all that's going to shake out. I think it's still a little early, but I do not get the sense the Senate is willing to back the governor's proposal, um, especially with respect to districts like Al Lawson's seat in the 5th and the 10th district in Orlando that Val Demings currently has. The Senate has gone on record saying they think those African-American performing districts are protected. So uh, there's no real reason to think they would take up a map that gets rid of that because then it would certainly put them in deposition chairs down the line. You can't say, well, these districts are protected. The governor then proposes a map that gets rid of those districts and you pass it. Then that would just be lawsuit fodder from day one. Um, so what the Senate intends to do it totally, you know, if they'll work out a deal with the House or not, I, I, you know, I can't say for sure. 
but I don't think the the Santos map as it is right now has any real shot of being passed in the chamber. And the only way that map is likely to become law is if the Supreme Court of Florida picks it over any of the legislative past maps. So we're going to have at least if we end up before the Supreme Court, we're going to have at least two plans: the Senate plan that's currently in existence and the DeSantis plan, and one of the House plans maybe if the House and Senate can't come to an agreement. So if if that all heads that way, then we could end up before the Supreme Court unless there's a veto override, but I don't think that's very likely. So I think there's a lot that's unclear at the moment. You do this for a living. Yeah, I mean, you know. You you understand what's going on. Just for giggles, tell me why we do this every 10 years. Our population is constantly growing here in Florida. We've gained additional congressional districts every single census for, you know, decades and decades. This is actually the first time we've only gained one congressional seat instead of more. We we tend to gain multiple districts at a time because we're such a fast-growing state. So we had to, A, account for the new district that was going to be added to the congressional map and then within the state legislative delegations um we had a lot of population changes, a lot of population growth in Orlando, shrinking populations in the rural counties and so different regions like for example in the state house plans um, for the state house the Orlando area is gaining additional districts because their population grew so much and other areas are losing districts because they are either losing population or their population is stagnant Um, so yeah we have to redistrict otherwise the districts will become radically out of sync population wise the lawsuit over 2012 It seems to have really had an effect on thinking here, or am I wrong? I think it has, and I think it comes down to seeing how a lawsuit can drag out over years and reveal damaging information. I think that it's not just about the outcome, what they think a a Florida Supreme Court might side on. It's about everything leading up to that decision. And I just do not think that a lot of these lawmakers want to spend their time dealing with depositions for just because the national party wants additional seats. Unless you're planning to run for Congress yourself and you're just some state senator, some state House member, why do you want to risk dealing with lawsuits to help a national party that has nothing really to do with you? You know, you have to be a really big party loyalist to endure that sort of inconvenience. Matt Isbell, uh, I really appreciate the time today and the explanations, and we'll see what happens. Right on. Thank you very much. Governor Ron DeSantis probably didn't use a map to get to Bowling Green today to announce $2.3 million in grants to six institutions to ramp up expedited training for truck drivers. During the announcement, the governor said he doesn't do much driving these days. My wife and I were talking about someone had offered us to be able to, like, you know, potentially do something. And I'm like, you know, I don't think I could. Hand- I mean, like, you know, because I have security. I'm not exactly driving anymore. I don't think I could handle it at all. I mean, it's a really big thing. It requires a lot of skills um, and it's important. So we need to really look at what's going to happen. The American Trucking Association estimates that we're going to need nationwide 1.1 million new truck drivers over the next 10 years. Right now, 
there's a national shortage. Florida has been uh, helping alleviate that. Uh, but you have companies that are offering signing bonuses, $15,000 signing bonus to be able to sign up and to, to drive trucks. The backdrop for the governor's announcement was a group of people holding signs that read, Truck Yeah. Just before he left Bowling Green, the governor dropped some personal good news. I uh, just wanted to let everybody know that um, the uh, first lady yesterday, we completed the final uh, chemotherapy treatment that she has to do. So it's, um, you know, it's not the most fun thing to see someone to go through. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, she, she, she's fought really hard. We think she's responded very well. I mean, still got more stuff to do. Uh, but but that's a big milestone because it's uh, it's 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 nasty stuff, you know, when they're when they're doing that. And so uh, I just want to let everyone know that, you know, she got through that. Uh, she ran that gauntlet. Um, she's doing well. And we look forward to continue to have uh, good news over the over the ensuing weeks and months. Here's some of what's happening in Florida politics today. The Florida Conference of Black State Legislators Foundation will host the annual Kershaw Cherry Legislative Luncheon. The House State Legislative Redistricting Subcommittee meets this morning. The Florida Office of Insurance Regulation will hold a hearing about a proposal by Southern Fidelity Insurance Company to raise property insurance rates. The Florida Ethics Commission will take up a series of issues, including a case about whether former state Senator Daphne Campbell of Miami improperly left out information from financial disclosure forms. The Revenue Estimating Conference will update a forecast of general revenue, which plays a key role in funding schools, health care and prisons. The Florida Department of Economic Opportunity will release a December unemployment report this morning. And the Joint Select Committee on Collective Bargaining will hold a hearing about issues at impasse this morning. And finally, the effort to make strawberry shortcake, the official dessert of the state, continues to make its way through committees. Today, it was voted favorably out of the Senate Rules Committee, but not without a couple of failed attempts to amend it. Senator Jeff Brandis made an impassioned attempt to include an amendment to change the Florida state bird from the mockingbird to, well, something more Florida. I would respectfully ask that we resend the state bird and hopefully under your leadership as Senate President, Madam Chair, you will work to select a new state bird. Now, FWC has already polled students and they would like the osprey. There are others that would like a variety of other birds. I generally support the the concept of of some of these other birds, although I think the scrub jay would be a lateral move. And Senator Joe Gruder's pushed an amendment to change the state song for one year to It's a Small World After All in honor of Disney World's 50th anniversary. Then he quickly withdrew the proposal. But not in time for us not to put this earworm in your head today. You're welcome. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Craig Kopp. Join us again Monday as we do another daily dive into Florida politics.